In the world of business, profit is everything. Those that are not profitable are condemned from memory. And the most important business of all is watching anime. Welcome back to Weekly Anime Performance Review, the show where we review the performance of anime weekly. We are your three high-powered anime business executives. I am John, and I would gladly be Gravel. I am Chris. Hi-ho, Silver. And I'm Andrew, C of Gorilla Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Like usual on our OVAs, you might be able to tell what show we're doing by our very cryptic titles this week. In um, the title of this episode. Also the title of the episode, which you... We do this bit every damn OVA. <laughs> but it's it's part of the intro for the OVA episodes at this point. Uh, we're talking about Fire Force, is the point. Season 1 specifically. Uh, because we have set a an upper limit on how long a show can be for us to do an OVA in, in a month. I don't know now. if we've like set a limit. It's just 48 episodes is too many. Well, isn't yeah. the second season no. still coming out? Second season, I think second season dub might still be coming out, but second season is finished. So yes, this is Fire Force, which is a manga slash anime written by Atsushi Okubo, uh, who... Is, was previously known for Soul Eater, uh, which is one of the many anime on the list that I've seen like half of. And I'm like, oh, I should go back to that sometime. And then I don't for 10 years. Same. Not 10 years, but same. <laughs> Are you the same way with Soul Eater? Yeah, I've seen the first like 10-ish episodes, maybe. Mm-hmm. I might have seen part of it. Uh, Okubo likes his characters with shark teeth. Can you tell? <laughs> The soul from Soul Eater also has shark teeth. Yeah, now that you're saying it's the same guy, I'm like, oh yeah, totally. But uh, but yes, uh, the premise of this one being that um, in the future, after most of the world has been consumed by fire, uh, a new problem has cropped up for the people of Earth. That being that they themselves are sometimes consumed by fire and turn into f- fire monsters called Infernals. Uh, a new organization has been established called the Special Fire Force, whose job is to hunt down these infernals and put them to rest in their words to prevent them from uh, causing any damage or, or hurting any innocent lives. Uh, our story primarily concerns fire force company eight, uh, which is kind of a scrappy up and comer company uh, and whose secret job is to investigate the uh, origin of human combustion and how the other fire force companies might know something about it. Uh, first off, uh, we were going to talk about the this show's production, that being its art, its music, its animation, and other things like that. Uh, and first thing I want to shout out, which might seem a little unusual, is the sound design. Like, this show has some very satisfying, punchy, like, explosions, especially. Uh, and I'm just now realizing that this is done by David Production, the king yeah. of anime sound design. It's, it's the JoJo studio. Yeah. Well, I mean, JoJo has, like, some of the best sound design in anime. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying, like, if you've heard of JoJo, then this is that studio. It's those guys. Yeah. They also did the original spells at work. I, I will say, the reason why I think sound design is also really important is because a lot of these people 
almost all of these people fight using fire, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. we can get into later. And so that means that a lot of the sound is rockets and stuff almost like mm-hmm. it's yeah, not sounds like you just hear. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so you need it to sound varied as well. It makes them all sound distinct from each other, even though their powers are theoretically kind of similar to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also just have re- a really good score as well. And I think they use the score really well as well. Like they they do a lot to where like even like they don't put it in every scene just to make it seem more impactful. They save it for when it would be impactful. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the same guy that did the music for ReZero, which is also great. Yeah. Um, speaking of music, the OP and ED, I like the first set better, but I feel like they were good. Like, I liked I the first them. OP way better. Yeah. Uh, I, the first one just sounded like an American emo song from the mid 2000s. Second one. Second one. Yeah. That's what I meant. Did I say first one? Yeah. You did. Oh, I will say, um, <laughs> the funniest thing to me about the second OP is that it ends on the shot of like the company in silhouette, except yeah. none of them have a readable silhouette in that shot. They're all just like standing yeah. very neutrally, and like and Obi and Hinawa both have their helmets on, so you can't tell them apart at all in silhouette. And I yeah. just think that's hilarious. Very minor gripe, though. Yeah. Whereas the first one has that really good shot of everyone mm-hmm. at the end, right? Of them all being a bit characterized. Yeah. I really like the first ED. Yeah. I think the first ED is still on my anime playlist from when this first came out. Did you watch this when it first came out? Yeah. Yeah, this was my second time watching this. Yeah, I liked the first ED a lot, too. And I thought it was an interesting Mm -hmm. uh, choice of subject matter. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's something they hinted at, so I don't think they felt like they were ever spoiling anything. Yeah, I don't think it was a spoiler. I don't, I don't really mind OPs and EDs spoiling things. That's just part of the territory sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's that's the music and sound, which I think are universally excellent in this show. I also really like the art of it. Uh, and another thing that's going to be unusual, first thing I'm going to shout out is the background paintings. Uh, this show has one of my favorite kind of city settings of any anime I've seen. Like, I like the... Like, it's a lot of green tile and copper pipe, which I think is a cool aesthetic. I think copper pipes are cool looking. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it does a really good job of implying that it's in the future, but mm-hmm. America, or not America, civilization, that's the word, hasn't advanced. America, <laughs> you... honestly, could probably be gone. It um, probably, I think it is, according to that map. Yeah. But, like, civilization hasn't really advanced because they've been caught up with trying to die die pretty much and i I feel like they do a good job of showing that of how it's not there's stuff that looks advanced and is advanced but it's there's stuff that looks old and run down Mm -hmm. it's like it like very clearly establishes like right off the bat that like this is a place where technology is developed differently yeah it's technically post-apocalyptic right yeah it doesn't feel that way at first, but yeah, it's gradually kind of revealed that it is after basically an apocalypse about 200 years ago. Yeah. And they also have, like, in the latter half of the series, they have, like, a 
opening to each episode that kind of explains the backstory of the setting and it's done with like really interesting visuals with like it looks kind of like paper cutouts Mm -hmm. or even like watercolors or something yeah the one problem i have is that they have like three or four clips that they just play for the last 10 episodes in a mixture of i'm like eh. well it's they have them in order like it's like a loop of five okay it reminds me a bit of how, like, the first half of Fulman Lockmas Brotherhood talked about the the law of equivalent exchange in like every episode. <laughs> I remember, like, when I when I had watched that show more recently, I could recite that whole thing from memory because it's at the beginning of every single one. <laughs> I mean, they did something kind of similar with the first half of saying yeah. that um, people Death are afraid of fire. dying by fire, which I think y'all watched the dubs. I watched the sub because that wasn't working for me. And they actually didn't show the death by fire thing, except for once. The fights are really good. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, This show looks great visually as well. I mean, like, I think that most Shonen looks pretty good, but this one, in addition, uh, really impressed me. Uh, David Production kind of has been on, like, a massive upshoot for the past while. Like, Phantom Blood might as well have been animated in PowerPoint. And now here they are. So good for them, I say. Yeah, for their fighting, back to that, I feel like it's very good because each character feels unique in how they fight mm-hmm. um, because of their powers unique. Um, And so, like, our main character, Shinra, has rockets on his feet, pretty much. So he does a lot of almost breakdancing, like, spinning around and stuff. Yeah, it's like... You have to really like the, the the limitation that he only has them in his feet really forces uh, him to think like, how would someone who can really only use their feet fight? And right. the answer would be like almost like capoeira or something. But yeah, the the fights are all fantastic. Uh, I couldn't really think of any one that I didn't particularly enjoy, if I'm being honest. And there are some really different ones, like the fight between Arrow and Hinawa was so different than any other character. Like, you couldn't have had two different characters fight that same fight. Well, I feel like we're getting into story territory. Yeah, we're getting towards story territory Which now. I'm, I'm fine moving into that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Like it's story time, babies. I'm going to bring up Full Metal Alchemist again. Uh, but I liked that this kind of went for the conspiracy angle. That's Maybe that's not the right word, but like, trying to track down an underground society. I thought that was, I think that's always an interesting plot point. I mean, I'd say that's conspiracy. Yeah, it it is a conspiracy in that, like, there's a lot more people involved than you initially expect. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like Dr. Giovanni. Yeah. But anyway, these, these OVA episodes are kind of inherently spoilery. I guess going forward, we're talking about the plot, so spoilers. Yeah, yeah, that. Go watch the show. It's like, pretty. We good. haven't spoiled anything up till now. But... A little bit, but like nothing I mean, I did huge. Just... No. Uh, anyway, um, so of course, I already gave you the basic plot that there's infernals that are bad, and the fire force kills them. Yeah, and I think something I re- really like that the show does is that uh, in episode two, when they go to. Uh, they get called to take out an infernal and he's just sitting there doing nothing. 
because he doesn't want to destroy the house that he and his family lived lived together in. I just really like how it sells the idea that, yes, these are monsters that need to be put down, but they also used to be people, and they're leaving stuff behind. And it really sold the whole religious aspect to it. Right. That's also the same episode where Obi, our captain, um, tells the new recruits to not have their weapons out in public because they're killing someone. You know, it's they may be a monster now, but it, technically you could argue this is probably murder. It's one of my pet peeves whenever shows have monsters that were formerly human and they and just the fact that they're monsters now makes it completely morally unambiguously good to kill them. Because there were people once, and they ha- they you should have empathy for them in that regard. I think this show does say that it's like morally okay to kill them, but it goes out of your way to tell you why. Well, what I'm saying is, I don't like it when show when like you have characters like mowing through a bunch of formerly human characters without a sing- without a single thought, which this show does not do. It does a very good job of kind of towing that line. Uh so I really like that aspect. Uh, but then later on, uh, they start to get more into the weeds about what the Infernals are and where they come from. And investigating a secret society called the White Clad that uh, want to use Infernals and the, their source to essentially destroy the world and turn it into a second sun because of fire and how much they love it. And the religious aspect to it. Basically, they're sort of like a breakaway part of the church that is much more fanatical and basically maybe, wants to burn everything. Or maybe they are the church. Maybe they're the real Honestly, deal. Honestly, I could believe that, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the reason why they want to do this is because they say like everyone comes from like ashes to ashes, dust to dust, whatever. They're kind of taking that to the extreme of saying humanity had our shot. Something happened that we're not entirely sure. But pretty much humans should turn back into fire and we should just turn the earth into the sun because that's the peak of evolution. I don't know if that's quite the right words, but uh, something like that. Something like that. Um, So the show becomes more about stopping them than anything else. Yeah. Right. We don't fight that many infernals. Like whenever they fight infernals, it's more like the minions of the white clad rather than the actual enemy they need to defeat. Right. I think the first two or three episodes are actual infernals, which could be turned. We don't actually know. And then the rest are all caused from the white clad. Yeah. Well, it was like the, it was the same thing in soul eater where like the first couple of episodes, they were after like little demons or I can't remember what they were called in that show. And then they mostly started fighting other people after that. Yeah. I think that's mostly because the first couple episodes were setting up the setting. And then after that is when the plot begins. Yeah, I agree. Like, really, unless there's an, a unique Infernal, I don't see the reason for them to show them fighting it mm-hmm. at this point. I think there's kind of the implication that between this, they're kind of going out and doing the regular Infernal fighting thing. Yeah. But that's been established at this point, so we don't necessarily need to see it every time. And so yeah, the the majority of the show is the eighth investigating the other fire companies because they suspect that they're that they're in league with the white clad or have some 
knowledge of what's going on with infernalization. Right. Kind of the best way to describe it is that each fire company is independent. Um, they have the same kind of... There's three factions that kind of control the fire forces, but they're really independent and able to do whatever they want within reason. And so it's... Why haven't these the fire forces figured out what's causing infernalization yet? That's kind of the question that they're trying to answer. Because most of them are in on it, it, it seems like. Well, I think it's less that they're in on it and more they all know some piece of the puzzle. And the eighth is just going through and collecting all the pieces. Right. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I like that kind of, as you go along, I like how they're picking up characters, kind of. Yeah. And they're building a group of different fire forces. Like, even if they don't get a new member of the team, each arc adds someone that helps them. Right. That's what I like about uh, Okubo's writing, is that, like a lot of shonen authors, he has a lot of characters, but he knows how to use all of them. He doesn't re Most of them. He doesn't really introduce that many more than he needs. The only character I can think of that just kind of exited stage left after his arc was the kid that lived with Vulcan. Even though he's in the OP. Yeah. I think I think he comes back at some point in the I think manga. he's in the hospital or something is how yeah. it's been spun. But um Yeah, so do we start going through these arcs or and we can. Okay. So like our first arc is just kind of general story stuff. I would say our first like major arc is them versus the fifth company. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where we're introduced to Princess Hibana, who's the captain of the fifth. Uh, and just... She's something. John's mad horny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not even. I'm not even gonna lie. It, it do be like that. But, I mean, come on, man. Can you blame me, though? Yeah, she's she's an interesting character. Uh and it's it's a good little introductory arc. I I was kind of surprised how easy a time they had it. I expected it to be longer, but I don't mind how quick the arcs go in this show. In fact, I quite appreciate it. Like I don't think they any of them last longer than four episodes except for the last one. Mhm. Mm but that's the season finale. Mhm. Mm and I'm not gonna lie, I'm fine with this because Princess Ibana was already somewhat introduced to us. Like, we knew Iris is half of the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of like... It's fine that this is quick. Because, first of all, let's face it, the Eighth is kind of super overpowered. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so, like, this is fine. This makes sense. Princess Ibana was the only one that really gave them any trouble. Yeah. Well, the um, special infernal kind of gave Arthur trouble, but then he remembered he was right-handed. He, was, he did was... a princess bride. Yeah. I think that was the old guy messing with them, right? Is that kind of what it's implied? No, I think it's just implied that Arthur's just stupid. That's fair. He's, That's also... It's not implied. It's explicitly stated that he's a dumbass. I'm not well, going like, right to thought... lie. Right then, it was because he was stupid. I thought, this is jumping head, but I thought at the very end that that's the reason why the electricity didn't work on him. He's just so <laughs> stupid. He's just too stupid, he can't be mind-controlled. 
<laughs> that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Um. Uh, after that arc, they also investigate Company One. Uh, and this is where they first discover the existence of the white clad when it turns out that one of company one's lieutenants is an agent of theirs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he is also a child murderer. Yes, he is. this show will go there. <laughs> um, he's also just like a straight up murderer too. Yeah. Just a regular right. murderer also. Yeah. I mean, child murderer is a subcategory of murderer. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm justifying his actions, but he does believe that he's returning yeah. them to the Great Flame or whatever. So, like, yeah. he doesn't think he's killing them, but he is. So, yeah. Or I think he thinks he's killing them. He just doesn't think it's wrong. Yeah. I mean, they want to kill everyone. So, like, yeah, what's well, a few more? Right. What's having to do it yourself a little bit before you can just blow yeah. everyone up all at once? Uh, so that's that arc. And so now is when they're officially on the trail of the white clad. Yes. Uh, from so, there. Go ahead. So pretty much everything else they do from now on is tracking down the white clad. Uh, after this is kind of where they finally explain the history of company eight. And then, uh, there's the arc in Ascusa, the territory of company seven, who are some of my favorite characters in the show. Yeah. Uh, this is when the, the white clad really start to make their move. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets pretty tense. And a few more arcs later, we have the arc where they try to recruit Vulcan, the engineer. And then, of course, the finale, the finale arc where they go into essentially the sewers to try and track down the white clad. Yeah, and, I feel like an important ahead. detail that they picked up that we kind of skip over is that um, the white clad are using insects. Wait. To turn people into infernals. Yeah. Did you say the sewers, John? It's is not it the not? sewers. It's, it's the subway, subway tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sewers, the subway. Nether. What's the difference? The nether. the nether. You're playing Minecraft. They're playing Minecraft, baby. And this this manga was definitely published after Minecraft, so I, I mean, don't think it's an intentional reference, but I, I don't it's know. it is implied that it's hell as well, which like the yeah. well, is I supposed think, to be hell so like, I don't think it's implied that it's hell it's that it's the closest place on earth to uh, hell. that's true which it's just the subway yeah <laughs> but you know which i think kind of yeah well i mean tokyo is basically all that's left of earth so oh there's i'm sure there's other places yeah. there's other pockets but like... like um i think the um juggernaut is from china or what was formerly that well one of the lieutenants in company one had a chinese name as well yeah. But yes, they go down to the nether to finally take the fight to the white claw clad mm -hmm. white claw. <laughs> Which honestly, I think that last arc is one of my favorite in the whole show. Mm -hmm. Just because one of my favorite shonen tropes is whenever there's like you have like the group of like 10 heroes and they all get split up from each other to fight villains on their own like those are just my favorite arcs just because you get to everyone gets a chance to do something yeah they get to shine um and say hey i'm i deserve to be among this group i i, I get that yeah 
Yeah, final arc, real good. Like, I think, like, that's where most of the really good fights, in my opinion, are. Because, like, um, there's the uh, Hinawa versus Archer that we talked about earlier, where it's kind of like a standoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't see each other the whole fight. Yeah. Um, I... I think this is the one time that I liked this, but I did like Tamaki um, and... The Shapeshifter. Um, I Greg. No, not the Shapeshifter. It was Assault, I think was his name. Yeah. Yeah. I like how much they built him up beforehand. Yeah. I, I liked that fight. I don't like the rest of whenever her ability is used. Yeah. Yes. I thought it was funny in that scenario. Of, that's how they defeated him. Yeah. And they just... Iris is just like a latom and just beats him. <laughs> yeah. They they censor they... all the gore coming out of his head. Right. <laughs> I like, do like it when they use latom as like the punchline of a joke. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I agree that a lot of the really good fights are in the final arc. Like especially I... uh, Shinra versus Show. Oh yeah. Hey, I I love a show that. That where the I love showing an anime where the climax is two characters time traveling and is is a character fighting another guy who can stop time and then eventually realizing he can also stop time and then they fight and stop time. No, so it's one person who's able to use heat to to expand the universe to stop time. Another person he stops the expansion of the universe. Right. Okay. Another person who uses heat to go fast enough to stop time. Like I like how it's two different ways to get back to the same point. I mean, I was just making a Joe joke, but also, yes, that's true. Joe. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I just, I love how all the pi- all the powers have to lead back to fire somehow. So it's like, oh yeah, he just stops entropy. Like, it's not, it's not actual science, but I don't give a shit. It's a show about fire wizards beating the crap out of each other. It's like, technically, if you did that, I think this would happen, but also you can't do that. <laughs> But something that kind of has come up through the last couple of arcs is that our main character, Shinra, has an Adola burst in an Adola link. I'm not sure if they're the same thing or not. But pretty much he is part of the, like, a almost primordial flame or something. It's basically the flame that destroyed everything thousand or the 200 years ago. Right. And he's also able to link up with other flame users and feel their emotions. I, can anyone do that, or is that just people with the Adola burst? I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's ever specified. I think a- anyone can do an Adola link if one person has an Adola burst. Because, like, he accidentally linked with Giovanni uh, during the Vulcan arc. Uh, the someone Conro else. links with him. Yeah. And I don't think either of them have Adola Bursts. Okay, so um, something that I don't think they explain in the show is that first generations are infernals, second generations can control fire, and third can create fire. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Like, there's some second generations that are also third generations. Like Shinmon. Benimaru. Who's awesome. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. But pretty much it all ends. The last arc technically kind of ends in like the next to last episode. Yeah. And then we get like a wrap up episode, so to speak. Explains. I don't know if we mentioned it, but Shinra, his whole backstory is that 
when he was growing up, his mom and brother were killed in a fire. And everybody blames him. But he believes there was someone else there. Um, long story right. short, his brother was kidnapped. His mom turned into an infernal. And there was someone else there, though. The evangelist, which is like the big bat. Well, he believed that the infernal was the cause of the fire. That's true. But the cause but of fire was up. his brother. But he... It's implied that he saw his mother in the last arc mm-hmm. when he went to... What did they call uh, He him? saw a vision of Adola or Hell. Yeah. So he saw his mother. She's like, I'm going to turn her back into a human. Yeah. And that's what it ends up on. Like, I feel like they ended this with already knowing they were getting a season two. So they didn't bother ending the story. They were just like, we're at the end of an arc. People will be fine to just wait a while. Right, because if there wasn't a manga and this was the end, they could have tweaked some things around yeah, and been fine. Or um, even just, they could also just leave it the way it is and say, hey, go buy the manga. That's true. Go buy the manga. Classic bit. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I didn't mind the way it ended yeah. so much. No, I thought it's fine, especially because we know that there's already a season two and I think season three on the way. I don't know if season three has been confirmed yet. Oh, okay. I'm, I might be wrong about this. I just don't remember hearing anything. I just feel like it. it was big enough that it wouldn't not get a season yeah. three. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, do we want to talk about some characters? I already mentioned, of course, my thought that this is an example of a large cast used well. In that I don't think any character really shows up in just one context in this show. Except for, like, very minor characters. Yeah. How, like, after they defeat Princess Hibana and kind of rope her in, like, she's watching over their department while they're at the 7th. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she shows up to help in several arcs. Like, the uh, when they go to recruit Vulcan, she shows up and helps. Right. Or, like, after they earn the trust of uh, Company 7, they go back and train with uh, Ben and Mora before the final arc. Which was like the only training segment. Yeah, yeah but I I didn't mind Which... it because like he actually taught them both a thing. Yeah. And they used it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about training arcs. You have to My problem it. with a lot of like shonen anime training is that a lot of times it's not really clear how the character got stronger exactly. Right. And like this is mainly a Dragon Ball thing, but Dragon Ball is so bad about like oh, this character trained and now they're stronger, but we don't really know how. They just their number just went up. Yeah. Uh but like no, this time we're very specifically to know like he taught uh he taught um Arthur. Arthur how to tell a real attack from a feint by like oh, you'll tell you'll hear them draw their breath in before they go for the kill. And he taught and like you know, Shinra obviously learns to go fast. Mm-hmm. And yes, like, but he uses the finger thing every time from then on. Yeah. yeah. And like also, uh, pretty much what uh, Benny Maru teaches them is directly what they've failed at in the Vulcan arc. So like, it's also not just it came out of nowhere that these were problems they had. Speaking of Arthur and Shinra. They kind of have this rival thing, yeah. rivalry thing going on, which is, I like it. I just feel like Shinra is so far out of, 
Arthur's League. I feel like it's more of a bit than in, like an actual like character arc. I know they actually care about each other, but like I feel like the show is set up in that or the story is set up so that the two of them are the two main characters, like the um Naruto and Sasuke. Where they're always going to be involved in the arcs and they're going to be the main ones fighting. I did like in the fight against Arrow and Guy who infernalized himself. Right. They're like, we're not going to work well together, so we need to split them up so that we can fight individually. Yeah. And I kind of like how they realized, hey, we don't have good compatibility, at least yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really like Arthur in general. I think he's really <laughs> Arthur's fun. fun. Yeah. And, and like, he's really good comedic relief. Yeah. And like his whole power revolves around how much he believes his delusion that he's a knight. And so like Yeah, it's it's very good. He he very much reminds me of Excalibur from Soul Eater. Excalibur from Soul Eater. So Soul Eater is all about like wielding people as weapons. Like they like there are certain people that are just weapons. They can turn into weapons and be wielded by other people. And Excalibur is like the most powerful weapon in the world, but he's so annoying that nobody ever actually wields him. Other fun people, I like Obi and Hinwa how they're kind of um how Obi's technically the captain. Um, but he's more of the like morale captain and Hinawa is who what keeps the station itself running. Yeah, I, I also love Captain Obi. He's one of my favorite characters in the show by far. He's such a good boy. And also whenever he fights, it's really cool because like he does not have any powers whatsoever. Yeah. So he just fight he just like relies on a pure brawn and b gadgetry <laughs> yeah he riffs up like a subway track at one point and uses it to yeah. fight a guy mm-hmm. but yeah he's someone who like um giovanni at one point says like you don't know what the flames are like or you don't know the fear that he's like no i do because i don't have any powers and i i have to protect myself like he can't he doesn't want to force his squad to pr- focus on protecting him when they should also be when they have other things to worry about. Right. And so having no control at all, you still know the fear of the flames. Mm-hmm. Cuz honestly most people seem to become firefighters or fire force members because they're afraid of fire. I also think it's really cool with Obi how like uh, I guess this is going back to how cool Benimaru is. Uh, it takes all the rest of Squad 8 go up against him, and he just kind of wrecks their shit. But then, like, Obi-1v1s one on one V1's him, and he's, like, the only one able to get a hit on him. Mm-hmm. That's just how good he is. Yes. Maki's cool. She has big muscles. Yeah. I love how she has big muscles, but then she also has... Her and Hinawa kind of have this running gag of where she creates like little cute things out of fire, and then Hinawa's yeah. like, "Stop playing with fire." Yeah, <laughs> I, I like sputter and flare and bo 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 bo. Oh yeah, I forgot she had one that was called that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, but I like her, and I like how she's a lot more defensive, at least at the beginning, because she's able to control flames, um, and then later on she gets cannons that let her. More like rockets that she controls. Yes. We have Tamaki. Yay. Yeah. And for an actual criticism of this show, 
uh, I commented on this before in the regular show. Uh, this this show is also also guilty of the perennial anime problem of framing violence against women as attractive or sexy. Uh, like clothing damage only applies to female characters in this show, or like substantial. Yeah, yeah. and Tamaki has an ability called Lecherous Lure. Lucky Lecher Lure. Like, it's basically the classic anime trope of, oops, I accidentally tripped and touched your boobs, but, like, it's the woman's fault. Yeah, and it's like, on one hand, at least they have a reason for this, but on the other hand, why even have a reason for this? Yeah. Okay, I will say, saying, oh, look at this, we're doing a trope, does not mean you didn't do the trope. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Just because you pointed out doesn't mean you didn't do it. And and like and like do it with an air of irony. It's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So and, yeah, that got real annoying. And like, I don't think, I don't think uh, Tamaki specifically would bother me as much if like she actually did things and wasn't just there because she has the lucky ledger lure. Yeah, she really yeah. doesn't do much at all. Like you could remove her from the plot and things wouldn't change. Like, maybe that changes going forward, but, like, at least in season one. Yeah, there's never a moment where I'm like, oh, this is her doing whatever. Because um, in the final arc, she gets split up and she's with Iris and whatever, and they defeat someone. But, like, they could have just not done that or had Iris go with Maki or something. You know, like, yeah, yeah. that's the only time she ever did something. And even then, it could have been cut out. Yeah, she's she's not my favorite character. Yeah. And, like, I brought it up earlier about how, like, um, Shinra and Arthur are kind of, like, the two main characters. I feel like the show could have done a lot more to make it, like, a trio dynamic, where it's the two of them and Tamaki being, like, the recruits, and the three of them get most of the action. She never... The only time she ever does something is technically in the arc with the first. Mm Mm-hmm. When she technically leads children to um, to their deaths, uh, mm-hmm. they don't die. Yeah, and it's imp- I think it's implied that this is their first time, and so her first time yeah. doing it. Okay, that's fair. Not the first time that um, Reki, I think, yeah. did it. But, okay, uh, I see what you mean. Now I'm sorry. But but yes, the only time that she does something, she technically does something bad without knowing it. To be fair, but it's like she doesn't. She gets saved in that arc. She doesn't put up any sort of a fight, really. She gets steamrolled. Not good. It's, it's not yeah. great. I, I, I don't like her character. It's not an issue of Okubo can't write female characters. He definitely can. He just wrote a bad one this time. Yeah. Maki, Iris, and even um, Lisa are all really good female characters, I feel. And also, I mean, like, there's a bunch of, like, the main character of Soul Eater is a girl. So I, I think that it's just. It's just, it's just, it's kind of an isolated incident in his catalog, as far as I can tell. I feel like this show is constantly putting women in the state of being, oh, I need to be saved, even when they're the villain. Yeah, that's kind of true. Like Iris earlier on during the Company 5 arc. When he's fighting Hibana, it's framed as, I need to beat her in order to save her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say Iris has no powers. Like she is pretty much imagine a nun and about as 
combat oriented as a nun, which is fine. And not the fire emblem, not the fire emblem nuns that have axes. Yeah. She does bludgeon a guy's head in, but that's yeah. she he was distracted. Like she got lucky on that. So Iris, I think, can be rescued because she's a character who has to be rescued if she's in danger. Yes, but there's also like But I think Maki's the only woman main character who isn't put in a position where it's framed as they need to be saved by Shinra. That's true. Yeah, you're right. I guess Lisa, but then it's It needs to be saved by Vulcan. I don't think we ever really talked about Shinra. He's pretty cool. He's got rocket feet. Foot fiends, this is the show for you, I guess. Yeah. They don't actually show his feet all that much. For for a show whose main character's power is feet. Yeah. <laughs> his power is feet. They show Hibana's feet quite a bit. <laughs> they do. Yeah, but she's in heels. That's a That's a different fetish entirely. Shinra's... I feel like your typical shonen protagonist, but he feels unique. Like there, you can't really say what's unique about him. He just doesn't feel like your average one, right? But he has most of the characteristics of like wants to has a really dedicated goal in mind that he's working towards, and is really overpowered if he can play his cards right. You know, I'm glad that his his ambition is not just to be the best. Yes. Because even other shonen protagonists who have other stuff going on besides being the best, usually they're like, I'm going to do this other thing by being the best. He's becoming the best by coincidence of trying to accomplish his actual goal, yeah. which is to save show. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'm going to save show, so I'm going to go faster than light so that I can fight him. Like, that's. He's not just going even further yeah. beyond because he's like, ooh, I want to be strong. Right. Like, he really. Yeah. You get the sense that he wouldn't fight if he didn't have to. Yeah, he seems also very family-oriented, like, trying to be a good older brother. Because he never got to, really. Like, the climax of his fight against Sho isn't, we're going to punch each other until one of us faints or dies. It's, I'm going to remind you that you are my brother and why I love you. It just happens to involve (laughs) punching. Sometimes brothers punch each other. But yeah, I think that he's interesting because, you know, he rightfully doesn't really see Shinra as a brother yet because they've literally never met before since Sho had a conscious mind. Like, yeah, he yeah. was a very small baby when he was taken. Sho is Shinra's brother. I don't know if he said that. Did we say that? I don't know. I think, I think okay. we've implied it, at least. But yeah. They're brothers. So he's very taken aback by Shinra, you know, being like, hey, little brother. And he's like, excuse me. Uh, but I thought it was so interesting. That whole fight was basically like um, Shinra using their Idola link to basically force Sho to kind of artificially remember being brothers. Like he didn't really know their mother, but like. Essentially, Shinra gives him memories of their mother through their link. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's more of not forcing him to remember, more of saying, hey, I care about you because you're my family, and I made a promise to her and to myself to save you and to be a good brother. But yeah, I, I feel like they have good conversations, and Sho isn't really in it all that much, to be honest. No, he's kind of a late game thing. 
but I feel like like he's only in like three episodes. He's technically in the Victor arc, but he doesn't really do anything in that. Also, he can he stop just... time, which I just like characters that can stop time. They're cool. Shinra convinces Sho, hey, don't be bad. Yeah. But then Sho gets kidnapped. Well, Haumea comes in way. and basically like uses her power to zap his brain. She does the men in black thing to him, I think. Yeah. No, she does mind control, like not memory erasure. I feel like she could do that too, though. Yeah. Possibly. Because like, I don't think it's a huge jump to say, oh, I can control the electricity in your brain to make you do stuff, to I can control the electricity in your brain to make you forget stuff. But also, I think it'd be hard because then they'd have to have this fight all over again. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because this wasn't really a physical fight. Not that it it was, but it was more about the... Um, emotions. Emotions, yeah. Well, may- maybe in the intervening time, Shinra could train his Adola link to make it more effective so that he could more quickly get through the show. Like, maybe he could just, like, repeatedly send Arthur memories of last night's dinner until he is good at Adola linking. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Trolling Arthur with the Adola link. <laughs> Arthur's dumb enough that he could just like mess with him so good if he could alter his memory. So in terms of themes, what do we have? What do we got? Definitely family. Yeah. Definitely family. Family important. Yeah. Family, family good. Because like we see like pretty much everyone looks at all the members of the eighth consider the eighth to be kind of like an extension of their own family. Mm-hmm. Or even just yeah. all the family they have. Just for a lot of them, they share the same ideals. So it, it is a found family, mm-hmm. but they very much work together and want to support each other. And like, um, there's the whole main plot of Shinra trying to find Sho. And I like that they all support him in that. They all are like, if you're, if you want, if you think Sho is alive, then it's our job to bring him back safe. Right. Like, I, I feel like in another show, they might have a whole episode where it's convincing everyone whereas this it's like a five minute scene mm-hmm. yeah and it's not even convincing but it's just saying okay well if you say that happens then it happened like yeah. i i do like that i yeah I, I agree that you know family is obviously a big part of this show it's real there's really like anything deeper than that to this um there is a bit i think there's something about like the religion i'm not sure what exactly but how it's important to respect. I, I think there's also a little bit of an undercurrent of uh, the importance of questioning authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, basically the whole purpose of the eighth is watching the watchers. Yeah. Yeah. And if no one's watching the watchers, like very much so um, the eighth was formed because neither both of the lieutenant, the lieutenant and the captain, Obi and Hinoa, didn't like how some of the fire forces were doing things. And how they weren't treating the dead with the respect that they needed. But like they were making point games out of it. And it's kind of like, these are people. And there's also the, um, when they go to the seventh, they have like a completely different ritual for taking down the infernals. And when they get there, they like, they explicitly say, hey, we can take down the um, white, the infernals, the white clad set loose because they're not from this area and like at one point they even apologize and say hey sorry we did this without not your style right it's kind of like 
this is their traditions and this is how they want to die pretty much that's that's a bit weird way of putting it but yes i i think those are their two big things uh do you have any final thoughts on this one um i'm gonna watch season two (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) why not just do an ova at some point it's pretty i like it a lot you should watch it yeah yeah I don't know if I could watch it again soon type of thing, but I did really enjoy this and I really enjoyed what they did with all the characters and how they didn't really subvert any tropes, but it didn't feel like this was a trope fest. And yeah. so I think, not to say that that's the only measure of a good anime, but I think they did a good job of that. And I'm making this feel like a good shonen where I care about the characters, even though there are quite a few of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And like, I think visually it's really good, and yes. if you're really into the visual and production side, you should. This is going to be something you enjoy. Absolutely, uh, it's one of those anime that's just a feast for the eyes almost the entire time. I can't really think of a moment when I thought this show looked off or wrong. I was very impressed with it on the whole in that in the production department, especially, but also. Uh, as someone who typically, you know, I, I say all the time that I don't like shonen anime. This is making me question whether that's actually true or not. Like, because this has all the trappings of a shonen anime, and yet I really enjoyed watching it. So I might need to re. This show is enough to make me reevaluate how I feel about a genre. Uh, so yes, I definitely re- recommend giving this one to watch, even if you're. Skeptical, skeptical about the genre it inhabits. That's my perspective on it. Uh, this has been your weekly anime performance review special episode on Fire Force. Uh, you can catch our next regular episode. Uh, you can catch our next regular episode on uh, Wednesday, February seventeenth. We look forward to seeing you there. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wappercast for updates about the show. We also. Uh, are going to have a poll up on our Twitter when this episode goes live uh, with what OVA we should do next. Your three choices for what we're doing next are Oresuki, uh, A Silent Voice, or Soul Eater. Uh, You can vote, and then we will uh, put up that episode on the second week in March. This has been your weekly anime performance review. I have been John, your man who's happy to be gravel. I have been christened. Oops, there go my clothes. And I've been Andrew and guys, please stop hanging weird stuff on the walls. Beep boop. Ravioli.